Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Security Squawk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Horning, with my other co-host, Reginald Andre from Arc Solvers and Randy Bryan from Tech Rescue. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Good morning. Doing much better. Thank you. That's right. You weren't with us last week. <laughs> this time we didn't say why either. Because yeah, we didn't say why. Doing great down here in uh, Texas. The weather's beautiful. It's going to be almost 80 at the end of the week. Pretty excited. Oh, lucky you. Yeah. I'll never, I, won't, I won't see that weather for what month is it? At least six or seven months. Oh, man. It was cold as nuts over the weekend. It got down to 31 degrees in some places. Almost wow. died. <laughs> uh, that's a pretty big shift in like temperatures. Yeah, that's that's normal. That's how our springs are, man. It'll be in the high 30s, and then it'll be like 85 in the night or in the afternoon. Nice. So, uh, did you guys have a good holiday? Good in the U.S. We had uh, the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, I don't know, where we celebrate giving thanks for those things that we're thankful for. Um, did you have a good holiday? Yeah, went on a cruise, and it was uh, nice to nice to disconnect. Yeah, same here. That's one of the great things about a national holiday. Yeah. Um, is you don't get any calls. You're not like those tech guys in that meme where you're standing in front of your server rack, like praying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> um, so, cool. So, um, I had a good holiday as well. Spent time with family. Um, and then I guess like the first thing I want to talk about is like, this whole remember the U.S. Randy, you and I talked about it. The the U.S. government put out some warnings around the Thanksgiving holiday, um, and potentially put set the stage for some ransomware attacks. I know some media reporter friends of mine that were looking and and chomping at the bit for some stories, you know, to kind of uh, unfold over the weekend. You guys aware of anything that happened over the weekend uh, that it maybe hit the news or was in the public? Uh, I'm going to take a wild guess and say that there were ransomware attacks over the weekend, but whether we hear about them or not um, is another story. Uh, but you guys aware of anything other than what we kind of identified already? We've talked about, well, you know, we talked about a ton in the green room. That I think we're going to go over uh, in yep. a few minutes. Right. Um, like all of them are potentially could be making the news big time but i think that there's so many of them you know <laughs> where there's not like one that we're going to look at um because there's so many of them so yeah i didn't hear about anything that stood out specifically um but there's like like you said there's a ton of them i wouldn't say there was a massive uptick uh like we thought but the sectors uh that are typically hit uh were hit and um and the ones that I, I've reached, I've talked about on this podcast and, and other and on my own YouTube channel are uh, like I talked about um, the shipping industry, transportation and logistics as being a major target during the holiday season. And people aren't hearing the stories probably, but these things are happening. And that's what we're going to, you know, we're going to talk about today. And one of the big hitters uh, or one of the big sectors that's highly targeted i think simply because of the way that the networks are set up but schools right and it doesn't mm -hmm. matter if you're you know k through 12 or your college you guys seem to be in the news a lot for ransomware attacks and you know 
I haven't been on a on a on a college campus in in twenty some years, um, but I would imagine that they still are set up virtually the same way, where there's probably a lab or a library somewhere that has massive amounts of computers um, that are connected to the network twenty four seven, right? And if I'm if I'm a criminal hacker or if I'm somebody who wants to take advantage of a network, boy. Would I love to have access to a computer that's on that network 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Um, and here we go with this Butler County Community College up in up in my area, up in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I think this is in like northeast Pennsylvania. Um, their uh, community college is offline because of a ransomware attack. Um, and they're currently working with a cybersecurity firm to restore databases, hard drives, servers, and other devices. Um, so this happened over, obviously, the Thanksgiving weekend. It was um, revealed, uh, I guess it was yesterday. So I guess on some point on Sunday, it sounds like they got attacked. Um, guys, want to talk about this a little bit? And then we'll, and we'll kind of just blow through this one and we'll go into the, the other three that we've identified um, fairly quickly here, but anything you guys that stood out to you that when you uh, saw this article? Um, I would also just mention there was an, there was another community college as well, Lewis and Clark that that's been um, hitting the news. That, that Lewis and Clark, I I you know I was confused because I saw Butler County. Where's Lewis and Clark? Is that in Pennsylvania as well? No, this one is in Godfrey, Illinois. Okay, all right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, so another community college hit over the weekend. I mean, these aren't huge names, but when you're a community college, you have to you have to release this stuff. They don't enjoy the same, for lack of a better term, protect protections that private businesses enjoy when they can basically get to decide whether they want to disclose something or not. Um, I think there's a lot of lawmakers who are trying to change that, trying to make it so that businesses have to report this stuff when they go down. Um, but that's that's the luxury that a private business has. If they got hit by ransomware over the Thanksgiving weekend, they don't have to come out like this community college does and and tell people. Plus, you have to shut down classes. So you got, you got to tell people why you're shutting down classes. Um, I've got a couple comments on this. Go ahead, bro. Um, well, first off, it says that they're working with a cybersecurity firm to restore everything. So it sounds like they're not going to pay the ransom, which we know that that's there's probably a threat involved um, of releasing the data. And that's the thing. Yeah, this might be a small community college. Let's say that it has 1,500 students. It's going to have the personal information, social security, um, the the required uh, vaccinations, you know, like meningitis and things like that. It's going to have all that stuff on file that can be that can be released uh, to the dark web. So, um, yes, small college, but there's there's going to be probably more information um, than if they hit a lot of businesses out there. They're going to have a lot of a lot of information on file than a lot of businesses out there. So, this uh, potentially could have some pretty big uh, repercussions. I agree. I agree. So a couple of these other attacks that, that happened, guys, over over the Thanksgiving uh, holiday weren't necessarily U.S.-based companies. And, and ransomware is not a, um, a U.S.-only problem. And I think that that's something that gets lost on people all the time, too. But we have this uh, Danish... Uh, 
Danish manufacturer Vestas has confirmed a cybersecurity incident was ransom was a ransomware attack. Um, operations now close to normal after investigation finds breached mostly hit turbine manufacturers internal data. So it's a turbine manufacturer um, out in uh, a Danish turbine manufacturer. Um, pretty big deal. I mean, the, you know, turbine manufacturers have to deal with, you know, power generation, things like that. So you're hitting that supply chain. Um, but again, my point, this is a an attack on a non-U.S. Uh, business uh, because we know that businesses around the world are being subject to these ransomware attacks. And it's not a U.S. business only problem. Um, and, you know, and we're going to show that in the next three articles. But, you know, we tend to focus on those types of things when we say like um, Thanksgiving holidays. Well, it just means that there's less people in the office. It really doesn't matter if it's Thanksgiving, if it's a Friday afternoon. Um, it's just when less people are around to maybe notice things or respond to things, which these guys know typically make their efforts more successful uh, when they have a little time to work with or they don't have somebody who could potentially be sitting in front of the computer screen and notice something amiss, like something moved when it shouldn't have or, or something like that. So um, thoughts on this particular attack, gentlemen, um, that you want to share with our audience? Well, I mean, this is a supply chain um, attack because these guys provide uh, – parts and to the uh, turbine, um, the wind turbine, um, you know, supply chain. And this is really a, an attack on infrastructure because it also is, you know, hitting um, potentially could affect our uh, wind power generation um, because if they're slowed down go, getting to market with this, it's going to slow down implementation. So it's a pretty serious attack. Yeah, it's I mean, it, it is a serious attack. I, I just, one of the things that stood out for me is that they've been, <clears throat> and this is almost like the the new uh, no data has been stolen statement where they're saying, oh, it hasn't uh, affected our operational systems. It only affected other internal systems, um, which kind of leads you to believe that these companies you're either getting lucky or they're doing a better job at segmenting. And I'm going to go with the first one. So what are your thoughts on that? And I think it also all has to do with the news because, you know, like we said, wind turbine, it's going to be winter season. If you go on the, you know, Fox news and CNN news right now, there's the, the, the new variant coming out. There's some, a couple of political um, court cases that just happened. So I think they, the news is full where they can't concentrate or want to put this on the headliner. But something like this could have been made much bigger. And, and the other things that we're going to be talking about is just the news just had other things to talk about that would sell more. And for the record, this uh, actual cyber attack happened on the 19th, but they're still going through the investigation. That actually that that concluded. Uh, over the weekend. Um, so it took them about 11 days to figure out what systems were actually affected. Um, and that's another takeaway from this is, is when, when you're going through that forensic investigation, uh, you can't use your systems. So, um, and, and it starts with everything first, right? You got to have the investigation done. And as they eliminate 
okay, these systems weren't touched, they can come back online. <clears throat> In the beginning, all your systems go offline. So another important kind of tidbit within the details of the event that, you know, we want to point out to business owners so they get an understanding, a full understanding of how this stuff actually can impact them. Um, I, I did a talk a while ago and a lot of people in the room were surprised when I told them that if you have cyber insurance, you know, it could be a few days before you're allowed to even touch your systems. And, you know, when you tell a business owner that and they don't, they never realized it before, um, you get interesting responses and interesting reactions to those statements because a lot of people think that they have cyber insurance to protect them. And what the thought of a business owner somebody who's like that type A personality, when you're sitting there telling them that you're not going to be able to use your systems for three to four days, and basically you're at the mercy of your insurance company if you file a claim, nobody tells them that. And then, you know, I was basically the first one to inform these people of this at the time. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of times you get some, you know, some weird looks or some twisted necks when they look at you going, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't realize that that was the case. Um, and, you know, businesses have to understand it could be three or four days before they're allowed to do anything in their business when these things go down. Um, so one of the things that uh, I've talked about recently is this attack on the transportation logistics industry. And we have a ransomware attack in the past week on the Swire Pacific offshore uh, and it's breached personal data. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this one, um, but what were some of the big takeaways that you guys saw? I mean, once again, this is going to be energy energy sector, it looks like. Um, uh, is it? It's more sh no, yeah, shipping. It's shipping. Shipping. I mean, it, we're looking at um, serious repercussions once again to supply chain, to our economy. Um, so it's never good when we get any of this, uh, any of this news. Now, Singapore is where the Swire Pacific offshore is headquartered. And Singapore has been known for um, having some of the strictest data security regulations and requirements, mm -hmm. especially for reporting breaches. Um, and so that's probably a why we're hearing about this uh, so quickly. Um and it says currently the company's website and likely other parts of its operations are offline. Uh, and the other interesting thing, one of the takeaways that I took from this article is that the Klopp ransomware group is the ones behind this. And if you all remember, they were one of the ones in the news last week where if you heard that uh, some ransomware groups have been taking down, uh, I think this had to do with the Ukrainian uh, government working with other governments in Europe and our government to take down some ransom, some prolific ransomware groups. Klopp was one of those. And even though that some people were arrested from that group, uh, they were able over the weekend to, you know, hit this large uh, Swire Pacific offshore. And they, uh, and they do provide um, support services for uh, basically for the oil and energy. Um, right. Industry. Right. I mean, we all know that it's not just stuff going to Walmart that gets shipped. I mean, you know, you, you literally could have higher gas prices and it could affect the 
you know, as you said, Randy, could affect the oil industry if oil can't move from ships. It just doesn't move through pipelines, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, it, it really depends what sector that shipping uh, that shipping industry uh, is, is is in when it when it does have a ransomware event. Um, but I just look at things like shipping and logistics could impact, you know, like you said, energy could impact retail, could impact automotive, you know, could impact the food supply chain and food can't, you know, get here. Like, I don't know, where am I going to get my strawberries in, in January, right? If some major food supplier in Mexico gets hit, um, that these are the things that, that could affect your own your own life if these things come to fruition so uh, another one that happened over the weekend australian government-owned energy company hit by ransomware attack um cs energy confirmed hackers infiltrated its corporate network but says the incident has not impacted electricity generation what are you guys thoughts on on this one again it's not in the us it's australia but it did happen over the weekend well they're already talking about restoring your data <laughs> So that that that's interesting there. In what way? Well, inter interesting in the sense that they're not. Um, we're not talking about because we're talking about ransomware. So they're not paying the ransomware. They're going straight to just hey, we're restoring our data based on the statement they're saying. Now, don't don't take that that headline too lightly. Don't read over the words there. Australian government-owned energy company, right? So that would be mm -hmm. like saying a U.S own energy company, which I don't, I'm not aware of any US owned energy companies, but you're talking about an Australian owned company that was hit by ransomware. So I would imagine that this is some kind of an authority that was set up by the government where that, where the company was set up to run the, the energy, so to speak for, um, for the Australian people. Um, it's not a private company. Um, but it's probably also not a for-profit company. It's probably more or less like a nonprofit that runs as, as an extension of government. So yeah, we have those all over the U.S. where basically it's like a public utility um, where, you Randy, know, would that be like similar to what we saw with that grain feed attack where that was that like, I, I forget the exact terminology they used for that. Um, I think that was a co-op. A collective or a co-op yeah. is that similar? Um, co-op is really private, um, private, but it's owned by the members. Where and and in like in Texas, we do have actually co-op-owned energy companies. But I know in other places around the country, they have literal public utilities. Which you know maybe you know uh, Pennsylvania Oil and Gas, and their whole purpose is to provide electricity to some sector in Pennsylvania. And they're they're basically a state-owned um, utility, um, if you will. Um, they still exist out there, so that's why this is probably disturbing because, you know, the U.S. infiltrated um, they infiltrated um, production like nuclear machines and things like that in Iran with a specific uh, malware. This was like five years ago. It was designed specifically for that. I mean, the fact that the hackers are in like ransomware is like eh, ransomware sucks. But what's even worse sounding to me is that they're inside of their infrastructure. 
Um, and, you know, a, a nation state could use that as an act of war um, against Australia. They could keep it in their back pocket, you know, for when a, maybe a hot war breaks out. They've got, you know, access to their energy companies um, where they could shut them down, you know, in a hot war. Um, so pretty disturbing, if you ask me. I do love all the buzzwords that are used in this article. Um, <laughs> my CEO, Bill Andrews, revealed that the company contained the ransomware attack by segregating the corporate network from other internal networks and enacting a business continuity process. Um, that's great, Bill, or Andrew Bills. Um, but I hope you segregated prior to and you don't consider like unplugging yeah. things from switch as your segregation. And really, you should be enacting incident response plans, not business continuity processes at this stage. Um, and I just feel like sometimes the CEOs and the people that don't know and the people that, you know, quite frankly, hand this off to other people and don't take any personal responsibility for some of this stuff. Um, this is the type of response you get. They like to use buzzwords and say things like, you know, things were not contained or things were, or things were contained or um, data was not, you know, affected or data was not breached in any way. And then we're going to find out in a month or so that none of this stuff was accurate. Um, and the use of buzzwords by guys like, you know, this CEO really are common. And the problem becomes in my mind is that, or what this illustrates is, is the disconnect between CEOs and how involved they think that, or how involved they should be, how involved they think they need to be. Um, and really paints a good picture of like a lot of the conversations that guys like the three of us are having with business owners today, which is still a lot of like, I got somebody that, that handles that for me. I don't deal with that. We're good. Um, you know, those are the things that we hear a lot of, and that's part of the problem of, as to why these are so successful today, in my opinion, is simply because CEOs don't want to take the responsibility and do the required things. So they're plugged into how their company is actually dealing with this threat and how they're going to handle a threat once they get hit. Do you guys disagree with any of that? I, I think at the end of the day, um, the best policy is going to be honesty and transparency in the long run and not trying to whitewash things, not trying to gloss over, you know, not trying to um, like use buzzwords that, you know, are really let you hide behind how horrible it really is. But at the end of the day, being transparent and honest and forthright um, is going to be the best policy going forward, I, I believe. I agree. I just think that I really wish CEOs would understand that they got to be more plugged into this stuff. They can't, they can't just brush it off and push it off to somebody else in their company or make it somebody else's responsibility and they have no responsibility around this stuff. And it's actually something we should probably talk about in our podcast next week is like, like the world is changing from a legislative standpoint. And I really, really believe that in the very near future, probably within the next 12 months, there's going to be laws on the books that hold CEOs criminally responsible if they get hit with a ransomware attack. 
Um, and I think that, that we could probably do a pretty nice show around some of the laws and legislations that have been brought forth in maybe the last three or four months and some of the things that are being considered right now. Um, because like I could show you, I could literally log into my LinkedIn and show you guys like all the CEOs that say we're good. And then if you ask like a, a clarifying question on like, you know, what makes you think that you're good or what, what gives you that kind of sense of, of security or, or sense of confidence that you're good. Um, and you, that you don't hear anything from them along the lines of like, I sit down with my people and I review our incident response plans and our business continuity plans and we test them. And it's literally like I, I delegate it to somebody else and that's, that's somebody else's problem, not mine. Um, and I think the days of that are coming to a swift end in, in, in the terms of walls. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so. All right. So let's go, let's bring it back in to some, uh, some other stuff that happened kind of over the weekend. And uh, one of the ones we identified was this Ikea. Uh, I'm not going to bring it up on the screen because I don't think there's anything relevant other than an Ikea store picture. Um, <laughs> and we all know what an Ikea store looks like. So who wants to take run point on this one? Ikea had an email cyber attack. It sounded a lot like the FBI one that you and I covered uh, on the on the podcast last week, Randy, where if just to refresh everybody's memory, the FBI had an email server system compromised and people were able to send out emails legitimately from the FBI.gov uh, domain. Um, and something similar to that is happening here. I don't know if it's coming from the IKEA domain, but it definitely sounds like it's coming from maybe some internal domains or some supply chain domains that they have set up. Um, what do you what do you what do you guys know about this this uh, situation that's going on over at IKEA? Yeah, the first thing I saw that kind of was like wowzers was the um, fact that IKEA is saying that they have a on-premise uh, Microsoft Exchange, which I know with these larger organizations that may still be common, but um, that was you know thinking of all those different patches that happen. You know, remember all the patches that need to be happening on Exchange servers and how there was a lot of threats because of that. So that was like the first thing that came to my mind is like, okay, how, you know, how far back are they on their, on their patches? Um, because this could uh, definitely be one of the ways where one of the ways the attackers came in. Real quick, just, just, just before we go too deep into it, Randy, what real quick, can somebody explain what an on-premise Microsoft exchange server is and what it's you know, just, it's okay. basically your three. So you have your 365 email, which is what most small business owners know and understand. And that's, um, that's the cloud, right? Yeah. And that's, that's hosted. Microsoft hosts that on their servers. Right. But, you know, back in the day before they had all that, you had to have it in your own on your own server. And majority of businesses have moved to the cloud, but especially a bigger business because mm -hmm. you pay one license and, you know, per seat or whatever. And then you're kind of done with it. Whereas when you do cloud-based, you're going to be paying, you know, five to fifty-five dollars every single month um, per user. Um, so it becomes a little more um, expensive when you go cloud-based, but you have a lot better features too. So it's a trade-off. Okay. So what were you going to say about? I just wanted to clear that up because I don't think a lot of people know the difference. They hear Microsoft Exchange. I know a lot of 
our clients who are on the Office 365 product, they still think of it as exchange. They still use the word exchange. And when they hear the word exchange, they think that, you know, this affects them. So this only affects you if you have an actual exchange server. You're probably paying somebody to run that server for you, like an exchange administrator or some kind of IT person. Um, and that's the difference. So what were you going to kind of talk about with this attack? I, I mean, I think the 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 big juicy nugget here is in sentence one um, that the emails are being sent from other compromised Ikea organizations and from business partners. So these are emails that are malicious, like we talked about that are coming from legit businesses. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, uh, that's disconcerting because it gets through a lot of, so a lot of security software, especially in those first couple of days before, Everybody finds out they've been hacked. Um, they, it gets through those softwares before it gets, you know, on a on a block list of some sort or spam right. list. Um, but bottom line is that's that's really that can trick somebody. Oh, I know, you know. Hey, I just got this 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 email from Brian. You know, I'd love I love Brian. I trust Brian. Boom, boom, click, click. When it's really not Brian, it's been compromised. Um, so right. something to that's watch. Great. Yeah, that's a great point because, you know, we're basically all the security and awareness training that I'm aware of. Um, basic, you know, I got an email 101. Let me, you know, what is this? I got to check this out. Obviously, things like hover over the links and, you know, don't trust any attachments unless you know who it was from or, you know, really what it should be is you were expecting it to, right? Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be, I trust Brian. You know, and I know Brian, I do business with Brian. And, uh, I, I don't think Brian would send me an attachment with, with a thing. But if my email was compromised, that can absolutely happen. Right. So if you weren't expecting to receive something from me, um, you know, kind of the rule of thumb there is, is you pick up the old phone and you call the person and say, hey, I just got this email from you. Did you send this to me? And, and just verify that they did. Because if they say no, you just help them out immensely. Um, but if they say yes, then they'll tell you, yeah, that's that thing, you know, we talked about and, you know, I told you I was going to send it to you, you know, what have you before you actually click on it. Yeah. It sounds like a little crazy that you call somebody, but if you weren't expecting it, that's what you need to do today because they're using that trust that you have built up with that relationship to potentially trick you into doing something. The more scarier ones are like, you know, to me are. The ones that exist where like, say I'm buying a house, right? And my realtor e email account is compromised and, and the guy's just sitting there reading. He knows who my mortgage company is. He knows who my title company is. And, you know, he just happened to intercept, you know, some part of the transaction where he was able to basically recreate the document that the mortgage company used or the title company uses to move the money. Um, and you know, that bank account that was supposed to be my bank account to have that money wired to is now some criminal hackers. Um, and this all looks legit to the people involved. It, you know, the title company got it from, you know, the mortgage company got it from the real estate agent involved in this transaction, new details about the transaction. Um, that's the even scarier part, which this is no pie in the sky type of scenario that I'm dreaming up here. I talk to real estate agents, title people, and mortgage companies. Mm -hmm. This happens all the time in an industry where 
I'm, I'm just going to throw it out there. We, we, we did an audit on a, on a mortgage company uh, within the last 60 days. And literally on half of the computers, the password to log into Windows hmm. was password. Yikes. Yeah. Hmm. And, and on the other side of that was financial information for a lot of people who are involved in real estate transactions. So that's the level of security that's going on out there in small businesses, right? These You only hear about the big businesses, and that's all we talk about. Um, I think if you got the – I think there would be a lot of people having a lot of heart, heart failure when they realize that the mortgage company, that they basically gave all their income information to, tax returns, all kinds of private information like Social Security numbers and things like that. Is using is storing those files on a server um, forever and ever and ever because nobody goes in and reviews them with a username of password or, or with a password of password, and you don't even need to know the username because it's saved. So that's the scarier part for me, and that's how all this stuff goes down, right? So, and then our last one. The big guys, right? The big, the big companies are the ones we hear about, right? And we can't really talk about the small guys, but like, look at the stuff that's happening at big companies like Robinhood, right? Robinhood, the, the popular investment app, um, was, and, and we've seen this with other companies. Like, I know this happened. Something similar happened with Tesla. Something, and this is exactly how Twitter got hacked when. Um, you know, if you remember about a year or so ago, high-profile celebrities had a Bitcoin address saying, hey, you know, if you, you know, donate as much Bitcoin, I'll, I'll match it. And people were sending these wallet addresses, Bitcoins, because, you know, they fell for the, for the scam where they thought somebody who influenced them that they followed, who had the blue check mark, posted this. So it must be legit. Um, and meanwhile you know, some Twitter employee got hacked and they were able to take over a lot of these accounts as a result. Um, something interesting happened over at Robinhood. I don't know who, who wants to run point on this one, but it's an interesting uh, take on a scam that's been around for a while. Um, but just let's look at, you know, it seems like things didn't turn out that bad for Robinhood, but where could this have gone, right? And can this happen at your company? So, so I mean, a, a, a vishing raid is going to be a voice call. Um, and so basically somebody called in, they, they got a relatively new employee. And first off, the call originated, quote unquote, or appeared to originate from within the organization. And then they basically befriended this employee. And over the course of an hour, got that employee to give them access to 7 million people's information. Um, bottom, bottom line, this one is um, really stands out to me just because, I mean, we've already mentioned it in this literal show today, but it's no longer just, Hey, you're going to get an email, you know, don't click on it. You know, we talked to the last article we talked about was you're going to get an email from somebody, you know, coming from a legit organization well, now we're saying you might get a call from somebody and it might sound legit um, and it could very well be somebody getting information from your business. Yep. 
How common are these attacks, in your opinion? I mean, they're not going to be as as prevalent because you can't yet um, automate this with a bot. This required an actual person, you know, to make an actual call. Although we're not that far away from bots being able to do something like this. And what I mean by that is like you can automate sending out two billion phishing emails and just throw a bunch of hooks out there and see what you get. But this is a targeted attack that is labor intensive. So it's not going to be as pre pre prevalent, um, but the results could be disastrous regardless. If, if you're paying, you know, someone in another country peanuts, it, it's kind of similar to what the, the residential market used to get, right? The residential market used to get the calls from Microsoft and then they would remote into someone's machine, install a software to make it seem like they had the spyware or malware, and then from there charge $350. So if you could figure out if we can get the database of a Robinhood employee numbers and you know cell phone numbers and then go through that process, it it I would say it's um yeah, it's not common right now, but if someone has the patience to do it, it's it's also a pretty good uh, business model for these for these hackers. Cool. So now that we have an understanding of what the hell phishing raids are and phishing and that it's a problem, what do you guys recommend for businesses to start doing to combat this? Right. Cause you could, I could see a lot of different bad things coming out of this, not only access to data in the Twitter case, access to systems, but if I can get on a system, I might be able to drop a payload. Like if I could trick somebody into saying like, Hey, I'm from tech support, go to this website. Um, I need to remote into your system to take a look at something. And I set up some, you know, fake, you know, Robin Hood looking company website, go to it, say, hey, type in this code, download this thing, click run. And I'm able to successfully do all that and get, you know, access to your system. Um, how can we protect ourselves? How can how can we make sure that these types of things aren't happening in our business? Because as Randy pointed out, this was a new employee. Um, you know, how do we put a new employee in the seat without... Hmm you know, opening ourselves up to that employee being, you know, I mean, the person who releases data or the person who gives somebody access to something that they shouldn't. I mean, like segmentation, only given access to what they need. And then employees need, they need to have training that they have to pass before they start their first day of, of actual doing work. Um, they need to have training that they pass with, with ongoing training and then, and then like a renewal, like a once a year renewal where they, you know, re up and pass the test and this and that. I mean, that would have gone a long way um, potentially in this, in this perspective. And the company should take this as an example and use it to teach the rest of their employees. Yeah. And you know, just as um, um, Brian mentioned in the green room, you want to have that policy. You want to have a policy in place that says when, if, and when tech support calls you, this is how they're going to remote in, or they're going to remote in. They're not going to ask you to go to a website, or if, if there is a website that they ask you to go to, it'll, it'll already be in your favorites on your Chrome, and and this is a special password or whatever the case is. Um, yeah. yeah, I think like just providing that awareness and that training that ran, like kind of what Randy said is just making sure that people understand like certain things like tech support will never call you and initiate a remote session. You know, it, like these things are already in place or, 
it would just never happen that way. And giving them that awareness of how the support process works within your company, um, you know, is important. It's, it's, it's important that somebody know, like, you know, nobody from IT is ever going to call you and say, hey, I need to get remote access to your system because they already have it or B, that's not how, not how we do things here. You know, so just be you know mindful of this stuff. But um, it's kind of like you got to have that policy, right? You got to have that policy as to this is what you can expect. This is how we do things. And if anything falls outside of that, here's how you need to report it. Um, and here's what you need to do. Right. Because that's, that's the other thing, too, is like I think Randy pointed this out when we were talking about this whole situation in the green room. I I believe this is the article, right? That we're the guy was at dinner or something and was basically telling the story to his family and they suggested they yeah. go tell the company. Right. Like it, the, the, it, the, the, and it says right here, it was like, it was like an unwitting employee or something. There's how the person unwittingly handed right. over the keys. Right. And like the guy went home and was telling his family, like this thing happened to me at work today. And somebody in his family was kind of like, Hey, you need to go tell your company that that happened because that doesn't sound right. Right. And, and it should never get that far is kind of our point today. Right. Is like, it should never get to the point where that employee left the office, had a separate private conversation with somebody. And then, it, and then they thought it was a good idea to then disclose it to the company. Like that is a, clear failure of Robin Hood to establish these proper policies and procedures and train their employees on them. And as a result, you have 7 million people's data exposed because they didn't have the foresight to think of this stuff. So anything else you guys want to add to that? That was a, that was an interesting one. This is also why I just think it happens more because how many, you know, Oh, okay. Tech supports on like, even for me, when I call my clients, and, and I'm helping them with support. And they're like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And like, they don't ask any questions or whatever. So I think it happens more. It just doesn't get reported. doesn't have to get reported because they're not Robinhood. Robinhood has yeah. regulations and governance and compliance to deal with. Most businesses don't. So until that changes, businesses basically have the option to tell the public, John Q. Public, whether this happened or not. Um, or John Q. Private, who, you know, might be a customer of said company and said company just decided we're not going to tell anybody about this. And then John Q. Public wonders why his identity got stolen. And, you know, and it's because this company never properly disclosed things and didn't provide, you know, things like credit monitoring, which, you know, we laugh at a lot of times. But a lot of times that helps people, under you know, understand that, you know, their, their data has been compromised. So. All right, gentlemen. Anything else you want to add for the? Uh, I just um, I did want to add before we uh, before we close um, to remind people to um, like, share, and subscribe um, wherever you see the opportunity to do this. We don't do this for pay. Um, we just do it because we want to share and we want to educate. And so, uh, be sure to share out the podcast, like the podcast, refer it to your friends. Um, that's uh, all of the pay that we uh, desire for this. And uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for watching us live. Um, you know, we're, we're very thankful. Our show grows every time we post, which is really cool to see. Um, and we couldn't do that without you guys, without you guys sharing this stuff out for us. And just, you know, really help us out. 
Uh, we're going to continue to ask you every week. If you find value, if you are educated in any way, shape or form, even if it's like one sentence out of this whole 44 minutes that we've been ranting on now, um, share us out. Let our let your friends and family know we're on every podcast platform and uh, that's it. So see you next week, gentlemen. All right. Thanks for your inputs. And uh, Security Squawk Podcast, securitysquawk.com. We'll, go, we'll see you all next week. Take care, everyone.